Welcome to the Amateur MILF Society, a podcast about the highs and lows of mothering in the modern age. We're your hosts, Rosie and Sinead, and we are Just Just trying. Trying. Join us on a journey from positive pregnancy tests through to school and beyond as we try to untangle all those complicated thoughts and feelings that come when you decide to push a baby out of your vagina. Other birthing methods are available. We are average non-famous mums who live average non-famous lives, although if we get famous we're not complaining and we will become shareholders of Lush. (laughs) Yeah, that's an idea. I can't, I spent, do you want to know how much I spent in Lush, in Liverpool? How much? £76. On what, run me down, what did you buy? I mean, first of all, can I point out that the Liverpool Lush is, so I, I went to Liverpool and I said, oh, I could do with going to like Lush, like somewhere to buy some smellies. Um, there's a Lush isn't there and Jess said yes I think it's the biggest in the country it's got spa in it it's got yeah it's got three floors and she was like it's the biggest in the country and then like not long after she messaged me again she was like I've just checked it's actually the biggest in the world (laughs) I it was so immense that I had to video call Dave so he could show Ramona the bath bombs (laughs) the bath bombs bath bombs are all like backlit on shelves it's so just cool. insane. It's I beautiful. always love the store layout of a Lush. Oh, always. It's just, it's the best. It, I spent so much money I couldn't afford to buy the perfume I wanted. I wanted to buy the perfume you have. <laughs> and I couldn't because I had so much in my basket. Um, what did I buy? Oh, they have the grass shower gel. Yeah, I smelled that the other day. It actually does, believe it or not, smell like, smell grass. like grass. So they used to, I used to buy the grass hand soap in Australia. Uh, and it was my favourite thing in the whole world. And then I came back to England and I was like, I must buy some of that grass stuff. And then I was told that it had been discontinued and they weren't selling it anymore. Mm. It is quite a divisive smell. It is a divisive smell, but I love it. So they had the, sh- the the shower gel of that. I bought some face wash that's like purple and zingy. Ooh. Vitamin C, like exfoliating face wash. Beautiful. I bought some of that toner water because obviously I bought some uh, things... Cream, cream makes skin soft. Moisturizer. Cream makes skin soft. That stuff. I bought some stuff like that. I bought some shower oil. I bought. I can't even remember. I had to buy bath bombs for the kids because oh, video- obviously because I video called them because our children are so spoiled that oh, they they just expect lush bath bombs. I know, and they don't really see the difference because you can go in Primark do bath bombs for a pound. Yeah, and they don't know the difference, do they? It's no. like obviously the lush ones are more extra, and they want those ones more, but the difference is like six ninety five pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why we would like shares in lush because um, I don't know. I think lush are lush are one of the only good guys out there, aren't they? Big companies that are the good guys. Yeah, I think so. Um, I've heard really good things about them. And they do. I think they have like a really good maternity and paternity leave policies and stuff like that. They're an ethical brand. Yeah. You can be safe. I think that's why Lush is so successful is you can be safe in the knowledge that you are buying ethical products and they care very deeply about it. So they might not even have like shareholders because yeah. shareholders generally are just like pricks who get money, right? Yeah. Maybe we could just get, as well as our black card for Greg's, we can yes. have a black card for Lush as well. Yeah, by the way, we've been doing this nearly a year now and we have yet to receive our black card for Greg's. <laughs> Unacceptable. In fact, I would say that our consumption of Greg's sausage rolls has gone drastically downhill. Maybe it's because we haven't had a black card and we're just doing it out of protest. Out of spite. Out of spite, so we just buy the co-op ones. 
warmed up. Ramona, this is how spoiled Ramona is. If Ramona wants this warmed up sausage, she says, Mummy, can I have a warmed up sausage roll, please? Don't forget, 10 on one side and 10 on the other. That means 10 seconds in the microwave on one side. Flip it over, 10 seconds. See, no, Darcy will not eat a warmed up sausage roll out of the microwave. It must be warmed in the air fryer. It has to be done in the air fryer. It can't be microwave. There's a difference. Yeah, they are a bit crunchier in the air fryer, aren't they? It crisps it up. Unbelievable. How are you anyway? Yeah, that's... still have a sore throat. Yeah, I don't know why my throat's gone weird. I don't know what it feels like to not have a sore throat anymore. I um, I've got, I had a sty all week in my eye, but it was like in the underneath of my eye, so every time I blinked, it hurt. So oh. that was annoying. Um, and I feel very stressed out today because Ramona's got a party, so I have to listen to Air's Moon Safari on the way here to calm me down. <laughs> it didn't work. It did not work. The early, early noughties. What would you call it, that genre? Uh, uh, zero seven. I have absolutely uh, no idea. Early noughties, chill, dance chill. Dance chill. The sort of thing that would be on that, like, Ministry of Sound, Ibiza Chill Out 2002. <laughs> that, that sort of music is what I'm trying to go for. And it's not helping with my stress levels at all. You know what you do need, though, to calm you down? Uh, a little treat. <laughs> well, yeah. But also listening to the Lamis soundtrack in its entirety. <laughs> you can't say that when I've just had a mouthful of tea. I'm wearing white jeans. What? For stress levels? Yeah. To calm me down? It's yeah. just going to gear me up. Exactly. I'm going to want to like go... Start a revolution. Yeah. If you want to chill me out, that is not the way. Because I'm going to sit and listen to it and then immediately like tie a red scarf around my head. And then just... And then start walking around with a flag. Build a barricade in the middle of Wigston oh, Town Centre. Oh, yeah. Stand on the top of my Skoda Fabio with a flag. <laughs> do you hear? No, don't get me started. Don't. Is no, that what I... you do to trip you out? Yeah, sometimes I just need to get, I need to get it all out. So, singing Look Down helps, does it? So I sing every single part of One Day More at the same time. <laughs> I don't think even what's the chick called who plays Elsa in the musical and she's in she's in the film. Oh, certainly. Samantha Barks. Samantha Barks. I don't think even she can play all the parts in One Day More. Yeah, well, she's know. clearly not as talented as I am. <laughs> who are you kidding? Every single part. I always like to do because we did a um, oh, we did a production of Les Mis at uh, Guthlaxton College, um, which was a performing arts college, so it was an amateur dramatic. It wasn't, you know, it was good. <laughs> it was good. Um, I'm sure my parents can attest to the three and a half hours they had to sit through it when I was just a member of the chorus. Um, and we did that in what year would have that have been? I'm going to say oh, that might have been 2002, 2004, something like that. And it was the, and you're not going to be able to hear it. No, you're not going to be able to see it. But it's the, it's the arm up at the end, the last note, ah, and then a flick of the hand, like you're changing a light bulb really quickly. That yeah. I used to love doing that. One day more. Hand flick. <laughs> love it. Yeah, love I just, it. there's something very cathartic to me about all of the music in Les Mis. Oh, yeah. As soon as I hear do 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 Don't. Don't even. Um, Dave hates musicals. Famously hates them. <laughs> and I made him watch. In fact, I don't know if I made him go to the cinema to watch Les Mis, the, <laughs> film, the film version. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand, Dave. Like, there's musicals and there's Les Mis. And it, I, don't, I mean, 
he, he was not fooled. By well, that you know what? I think that Dave is harboring some incorrect opinions there. Oh yeah, me too. He's wrong. <laughs> He's categorically wrong, and we're quite happy to say that um, live on this podcast. Live? Can we say live? Yeah, I mean, we're live now, aren't we? We are. Um, yeah, he's wrong. <laughs> Musicals are great. What is your week in a sentence? My week in a sentence is: Ah, uh, is it cosmic punishment by the universe? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that I have lost my voice because I am famously a yapper. A yapper. I love. I love that you uh, describe yourself as a yapper. If you were a dog, which do- what sort of like from a dog's bark, what dog would you be? Chihuahua. Chihuahua, all the way, all the way. Um, I don't know. I think that depends on how much the universe likes us speaking, because it sort of happened to me too. Is 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 the universe telling us to just not do the podcast? Is the universe going just shut up? I think maybe the universe is just telling me to shut up, just be quiet. Just pack it in. Because I have a severe case of can't shut the fuck up itis. <laughs> like my doctor actually like physically said to me, you need to go on voice rest. After I couldn't I couldn't speak for like ten days, my doctor was like, You need to rest your voice for a minimum of three days. I was like, Well, firstly, I have a six year old child. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. I was like, I have a six-year-old child. I can't just not speak. Not speak. He he was like, um, I'm sorry. I'm assuming your doctor was a male. It How was awful of me. Sorry. Male. Okay. Um, the doctor was, was like, I'm going to put you on voice rest, and you're like, is that like a medical thing? Is that like a proper medical, like actual thing? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Voice rest is a thing. Um, it you know, uh, we could use the Latin, but I won't bore you with the details. But it is a real thing, and you do have to do it for three days because I'm your doctor. <laughs> yeah, he was like a minimum of three days. Do not speak. I was like, impossible. All right, Gwen Stefani. <laughs> um, did you get that reference, by the way? <laughs> Don't speak. <laughs> it's a Saturday morning, guys, and apparently we're in a very musical mood. musical mood. Oh, Jesus. Welcome to the Amateur Mill Society Theatrical Edition. <laughs> don't. Don't even. Okay, I'm going to do my week in one sentence. I'm very excited about this. Okay. I'm going to just get my phone out. I've never done this before. Uh-huh. I've written a haiku. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know if I've done it right. So anyone that's like an avid haiku person, please tell me if this is wrong. Oh, do we have actual rupee core on the podcast? I know, right? <laughs> Well, wait till you've heard it first. <laughs> so I have written a haiku for my week in one sentence, and the haiku is called Potty Training Haiku. <laughs> okay. Okay, quiet, please. Quiet, please. I'm doing my spoken word mm-hmm. slot. Okay, ready? Yeah. I'm wiping shit off my nails and my phone pings. World Book Day is nigh. <laughs> I am begging you <laughs> to make one of those like Instagram graphics of that haiku with like a very minimalistic line drawing. Okay, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could definitely do that. 
So the context for the haiku is that we started potty training Lola the other day and it was awful. <laughs> Ramona was really easy to potty train because she had like a really bad water infection about the same time. So we used that as an excuse for her to get her wheeze out. And then she was like, got it. Within like a day, she was like, oh, I, oh, I see. If I, if I need to do wee-wee, I sit on potty. Fine. Lola was just like standing there going, oh, I'm doing a poo-poo. <laughs> just shitting into her pants. It was awful. And... <laughs> So me and Dave were like both working from home, but spent the whole day. We had to take the rug away. We like literally annihilated a whole pack of pants. Like just, it was just like a tsunami of just shit and piss, right? Yeah. Rosie texts me <laughs> saying, we're trying to potty train Lola. And at this point, I just wish she'd be in nappies till she was 18. Yeah. Deal with it yourself when you're at uni. So I don't have to deal with it. Awful. And as we were like, one of the, one of the moments where we were like clearing shit up, my phone buzzed and I opened it and it was from the school. It was an email from the school saying, reminder of World Book Day on the 13th of March or whatever. Like your child can wear these things, these things, all these things. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? I'm literally wiping shit up and now I've got to think about what to dress my other kid in for World Book Day. Um, so I don't know if that, I think the explanation was better than the haiku, <laughs> if anything. But I think it was a great haiku. I had a bloody good go, didn't I? Uh, how is Lola getting on with potty training? Uh, we we haven't uh, we haven't ha- uh, we haven't continued. We haven't reprised. <laughs> Yesterday she was nursery, so we were like, "Fuck it!" And it's a Friday, and nursery like, can do it. Nursery, yeah, nursery can deal with it. Today, like Dave's got, I'm here. Yeah. doing very important podcasting so dave's got to take ramona dancing take lola with him there's just no way we're putting her in a car in pants at yeah. this point at this point yeah yeah so she a very would be delicate place she would be stood next to the potty with her leggings and pants crying going i did a poo poo and you're like the potty's right there pal you had the option yeah. not to do that <laughs> so i think maybe maybe next week maybe tomorrow i don't know i think i mean the I can't believe we've not done an episode about potty training. There's a a lot of content to delve into there. Well, maybe we could do that next week when I've had another week of shit in my nails. <laughs> hey, that could be an option, couldn't it? Yeah, uh, Godspeed, pal. I think because I had such an easy time with Ramona, it just didn't seem like a problem. And we were like, oh, we'll do it when she's ready. And then I was like, oh, she's going to be going up to the like preschool room soon. So oh, we should probably think about doing it. Like with every second child, just an afterthought. <laughs> just an afterthought. Yeah, I um, remember it being quite easy with Darcy. I tried to do it when we were in lockdown because I thought she can just perfect. run around with no nothing on. Yeah. But she was adamant. She was like, nah, fuck you. I don't want to do it. Mm. And then I tried again about six months later. So she's about two and a half at that point. And it was just before they went back to nursery after lockdown. So in like August. Just got it. And she just like, within a week, she was like trained in the daytime. Yeah. And then it took about another six months to get her out of nighttime nappies. Yeah. And she also for ages would not poo in the toilet. Mm, They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She would come home and she would demand a nappy. And then she she would poo in the nappy. And she would... Hide under the dining room table. They do hide, don't they? Like animals. And very loudly go, I'm going for a secret. <laughs> I'm going for a secret. It's so interesting, isn't it? How quickly children are aware that we kind of, even though in our house, for example, our, our bathroom's downstairs. So Dave is the only person that closes the door when he's pooing. <laughs> the rest of us, free for all. 
like you know I've got mo- most of the time both kids are hanging off me while I'm shitting right so it's like very open it's not like a shameful thing it's not like a thing we hide our bathroom is right there you know like Ramona's going for wheeze and shits and stuff right in front of us all all the time so why is it that kids like immediately understand that it's something they they feel like they need to hide from yeah it's so weird that they go i'm gonna go and hide away left with a little sad dog so i can do my poo and you're like it's fine i'm gonna hide under the table to do a secret i bet yeah to do a secret it's so adorable so adorable it was so funny and then i'd be like well you can just go in the toilet and she'd be like mm, no yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't think Lola wants to do any of it. Bless her. But she's nearly three, man. She's got to learn. Yeah, eventually. Otherwise, she'll be potty, potty training herself at uni. She will, yeah. But I, I mean, mean, that is a whole process that you need to go through when you start uni. So. Yeah, that is true, yeah. There, there are a lot of kind of potty training processes at, in halls of residences, aren't there? Yeah. Anyway... What are we talking about today? Uh, we're going to be talking about behaviour and discipline. Yeah. Today, which yeah. is very topical. Very topical. Darcy has been having a lot of behaviour recently. <laughs> yes, there is um, a lot of behaviour happening around us and near us. So much behaviour. All of the time. Yeah. Lots of behaviour. Behaviour everywhere, isn't there? Yeah. There's behaviour wiped into every single orifice of our house currently (laughs) so it's a good time to talk about it i think it's a good time to talk about it as well because we i know we're both very similar in that we have um we have ways that we'd like to parent and we often struggle to yeah so this will again be a really nice therapy session for us yeah where we can counsel each other Mm -hmm. and also be the patient to each other um because, yeah, I definitely struggle with my behaviour. Oh, I struggle with my behaviour sometimes more than I struggle with Darcy's yeah. behaviour. I have a lot of behaviour happening as well. <laughs> I have a lot of behaviour happening in my head and around me. Constantly. Um, constant constant behaviour, isn't it? All, yeah. It's all about behaviour. I think before we get into it, though, um, it's important to do a bit of a disclaimer. Yes. That we're speaking from our experience and we... Our children don't have any kind of diagnosed neuro neurodivergencies or behavioural yeah. issues. Um, yeah. So we're very lucky in that sense that it makes parenting and like the disciplining, quote unquote, yeah. them a little bit easier yes. than perhaps other children. And obviously everybody has their own own experiences and yeah. It's, well, it's interesting because obviously we have to mention that because we're not... Again, we are not um, professionals <laughs> No, at anything. No, no, we're no. not professional at anything. We are the amateur mill society. I'd say the only thing we're professional at is singing One Day More <laughs> in Les Mis. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's interesting because when I was when we had the um, the great Geno's disaster of 2024, which we spoke <laughs> about, I remember talking to Beth about it and like I was so worried that there was perhaps something going on with Ramona that hadn't been diagnosed that I didn't realize and that I'd been like neglecting her because I didn't realize that there was a neurodivergency there that she that I didn't know about and Beth made a very good point that like all kids have got neurodivergencies in in the sense that like they're they're five yeah they don't know how to process their emotions yeah like things yeah there are things like every single child is going to present certain 
things that look like a neurodivergency because they're literally little tiny children. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that made me feel a lot better because I was just like, they're all, they're all kids. They've all got... They're all wild. They're all wild. Yeah, they're all like... They're all little cretins, aren't they? Mm-hmm. All of them. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. Especially mine. <laughs> but most importantly, my children. My children are absolute cretins. So where are we going to start? Uh, shall we go back? Back in time. Back in time. To, to when we didn't have children and I didn't <laughs> give a shit about any of this? Yeah? yeah sure. Yeah. Uh, like our own childhood. So like how were we parented? What did discipline look like in our houses? And like how did that compare to the expectations that are put on us as... Mm. as parents and as children yeah now so i was parented very much of the 90s pub kid pub kid yeah pub kid um i would say it was like an authoritative uh like authoritative parenting my parents were in charge Mm. i did as they told me to and i would guess that you would describe it as quite a strict upbringing however my parents are both very nice people (laughs) so it was like a real kind of mix because it was definitely authoritative it was definitely like you do this when I say don't do that you're not allowed to do that it was very much like I'm Mm. a child they're in charge but also like they were both very hands-on and selfless and kind and nourishing and um nothing was ever and i think this is like really really important so i do try to do this with my children is like nothing was ever forced upon me ever Mm. so it was never like you're gonna do like if i wanted to try out dance classes i I did i could go to that that's fine i could do whatever i wanted and then if i didn't want to do it anymore fine like there were no expectations put upon me to do a certain thing or be a certain way or like there were no expectations of me to be like a female child. Yeah. There were no expectations of me to be good at anything. Mm. There were no expectations of me to be like thrive in anything. I just, as long as I was happy in my existence, that was the most important thing. Yeah. Um. So I think that's really been a real struggle for me. Mm. Doesn't sound like a struggle, but it's been a struggle because I know now that we're expected to gentle parent. Yeah. And we're not supposed to be authoritative because it can be damaging. Mm. But I don't see how any of my my childhood was damaging because my parents were wonderful. Do you know what I mean? I think, I I mean, we'll come on to this a little bit more later, I think. But I think a lot of people misinterpret, like, gentle parenting as, as saying you can't be authoritative whereas Mm. where you can be authoritative it's really important i think to have boundaries and have rules for want of a better term for your kids but there's a difference between authoritative and authoritarian it's the tone in which you present it yeah there's like you do what i say there's no argument yeah and then there's I expect you to behave in these ways. Yeah. And if you're struggling to meet these expe- expectations, these are the ways in which I will support you to move past those difficulties. That's the difference between now and then, isn't it? Because yeah. that bit that you just said then was not a thing. No. That was not a thing. Yeah, I think that like, I was... If you don't meet my expectations, you'll go to your fucking room. Yeah. 
<laughs> End of story. I think um, I was raised in quite a similar way to mm. you. Like, I had relative amounts of freedom. Yeah. Um, But then saying that, I am an eldest daughter as a you. Yes. There is worlds of difference oh, between yes. how my parents parented me oh, yes. and how my parents parent my brother. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if either of my brothers are listening and they'll be like, how? <laughs> no, you don't know how tough it is being the middle child. Oh, you don't know how tough it is being the youngest brother. Shut the fuck up, both yeah. of you. Eldest daughters <laughs> are the backbone of society. We're the backbone that is just... And also, like, we're the backbone, but the backbone that's got, like, an autoimmune disease. <laughs> And so we're like holding everything up all of the time, but in constant pain <laughs> yeah. and no way of ever finding a cure. Yeah. I mean, even as an adult, there's, you still are having to eldest daughter all the time. All of the time, Like if we, if we go anywhere as a family, I'm the one that's expected to like, organise the transport to get there. Be like, this is the way we're going to go. I don't even drive a car. I'm like, this is the way we're going to go. We're going to stop off at these, like... I think, I think, Sinead, that's the reason you don't drive. Because you're <laughs> like, if I learn to drive, that is the last nail in the coffin of <laughs> eldest daughtering. And it ca- I cannot allow that to happen. If I suddenly am able to drive a car, that's you done. Yeah. You would have no seconds to yourself, ever. Like, we were going... We went to Spain last year, and I was like... I was the one that compared all the flights to find the best flights i was the one that found the hotel i was the one that organized everything yeah and then my mum will kind of chime in from time to time my dad and brother are just along for the ride just having a good time aren't they a good time like the other my mum and dad are going to liverpool in a couple of weeks and my mum turned to me the other day we were on the sofa watching telly at night time she was like oh dad's booked this hotel for liverpool i was like that's the what Dad knows how to operate booking.com. The what now? What do you mean? Luckily, my dad is quite quite savvy at um, booking hotels. So I don't have to do any of that sort of organising. But I definitely am an eldest daughter. I'm hoping to eldest daughter my grandma. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um. Anyway, we digress. We're not going to complain about being eldest daughters for the rest of the hour. We are going to talk about different parenting techniques, aren't we? Yes, we are. But you're right. Like, there is... That one one of the things that we do need to discuss is like the difference in the way you parent your children discipline wise. Um, whether you have a single child or you have multiple children, um, I think there are definitely differences in gender, which yeah. is a real shame because there shouldn't be, but it's really hard not to. Yeah, like I think it was really interesting that you said like you weren't raised with any expectation to be a female child, where like I think if you dissect that a little bit that absolutely was a difference yeah. in the way that you were parenting. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was that? Where did that ping come from? My phone. <laughs> well, that, was a, that was a ruddy loud ping. My phone's was. on do not disturb as well. Go away. What, do, what sound does it make when it isn't on do not disturb? <laughs> it's vibrating in your or, brain. No, it's not on do not disturb. Oh, it's not, okay, that's fine. Um, um, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think there probably was... I think maybe maybe you're not being forced to wear frilly dresses and play tea parties with your dolls, but there mm. there are like subtle ways yeah. that girls are parented differently. Yeah, D- 
Oh yeah, definitely. And I think I think one of the reasons that I maybe think so my dad, his mum, so my grandma and his sister were both very like strong um what do you call it like like you know very outspoken forward women yeah who didn't present as like emotional females you know yeah, they yeah. presented as strong independent women who did whatever the fuck they wanted and they'd tell you if they were upset with you oh, do you know what I mean like it was a very they were very kind of like male presenting women I'm saying that in inverted commas because that sentence is insane but you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and so I think then my dad kind of just assumed that apart from my mum <laughs> that that's what women women would just acted like men and that's just how it was so I wasn't expected to be girly and I had loads of boy mates and I could climb trees and get dirty and all that sort of stuff but then at the same time if I wanted a barbie I got a barbie mm. so that was quite nice but you're right like there's definitely there's definitely little it's like like to, yesterday, Ramona and Lola were like playing rough, you know, like they were running about and chasing each other and grabbing each other. And it was like the urgency in which you're like, oh, girls, careful. Yeah. Compared to when boys do that is it, like I try to stop myself because I just think, so what if they're bashing into each other? That's kind of the point. The point is that they're trying to like have a bit of rough housing. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't be stopping them because I'm worried about them hurting themselves because if they were boys, I'd be like, crack on, pal. Yeah, I think obviously Darcy doesn't have anyone to do that with really because she's a she's an only child, but she's very like she's very physical. Mm. Like she's always like throwing herself around and stuff and yeah. like, I am always saying careful. 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 Yeah, yeah. But that's more like to be honest, I don't think that's so much about her hurting herself and more about her like knocking things over and breaking stuff and Yeah, yeah. 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 You're notoriously very clumsy people, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? So, how? So you've said you were parented quite similar to me. What do you think? Were, were there any differences to how you were parented? I think um, there was definitely differences in that my mum obviously wasn't a single mum, but she parented by herself yeah 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 the majority of the time my dad was only at home really at the weekends yeah so my mum <clears throat> was very much the authority figure in the house yeah and what she said went yeah yeah so how did your i know i've spoke about this before and in fact i think i spoke about it on the first ever podcast about how although my mum was probably the authority figure in the sense that she was the stricter one because she was having to do fucking everything my dad was the fun one um, if I if my mum said no to me, my dad would always say yes. Was there that kind of dynamic with your yeah, mum and dad? Yeah, definitely. I don't mum, really remember. Mum's in charge. Yeah. Dad get home. Dad get home at the weekend. Does everything you say? Yeah, yeah, more yeah. or less. And I don't remember being told off by my dad really ever as yeah. a kid. The only thing was when I was a teenager and I'd be having arguments with my mum. My dad would always be like, "Don't speak to your mum like that." Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're yeah. like the only ways in which my dad kind of disciplined disciplined yeah, yeah, yeah he would like tell us off occasionally but yeah. it was nearly always my mom yeah yeah that yeah. was kind of in charge of disciplining us yeah. and telling us what we needed to do and having expectations yeah. for us i don't think my dad really ever had many expectations no of our behavior do you think 
because this is something I, I think about a lot and I don't know the answer. Do you think that the way you were, and I'm saying disciplined and I don't mean like, I mean disciplined just in, as a broad term. Yeah. However it was, whether it was gently or not. Do you think the way you were disciplined as a child has affected your um, mental well-being as an adult? Does it have any impact on the way that you feel about yourself as a human being? And can I go and get a tissue from over there? Because I've got a runny nose. Yeah, you can. Thanks. Just while you think about <laughs> it. Hmm, let me ponder. <clears throat> the reason I'm asking this is because we're going to talk about the different forms of like parenting skills now, right? Yeah. And, and how you how you discipline a child, right? And and the general rule now is that your the, the sort of gentle parenting approach is is better. Mm-hmm. And the reasons for that are that it is is mentally much better for your child. It's yeah. better for their development and it's better for their brains and confidence growing up and going into adulthood. So it just makes me question if that is the way that we're supposed to parent now. Mm-hmm. We were not parented like that as children. No. Has the way we were parented affected my well-being as an adult now? Because if it hasn't, then I don't... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily had an impact. In terms of discipline... I don't think it's had an impact on my mental health. Yeah. In terms of how I was parented, I think there are certain ways that that's impacted my mental health. I don't think it's anything like specifically that my parents did. No, and it won't be. It's just a societal thing, isn't it? Yeah. All of them parented similarly. Yeah, because I think I was... There was a lot of expectation on me, which I think has like caused i think that's another part of being an eldest daughter like you have all these big parents and your family have all these expectations of you and if you fail to live up to those i I think that's had an effect on my confidence and my self-esteem not necessarily my confidence but definitely my self-esteem yeah and your expectations of yourself then because then you lay you, you you then you then give all those expectations to yourself and it's like fear of failure or fear of like people think you're not doing enough, fear of being lazy, all of those Definitely, sorts of definitely. But then like this, this is why I find the whole of this kind of like how we parent now and what's the way, what's the right way to do it so wild because yeah, that's quite tough on us because we're both similar in that and then we expect ourselves, we, we give, we put ourselves on a really high standard and we can burn ourselves out from it because we do too much. But then also... If I didn't, I you know, sometimes I relish having that because if I didn't, then I wouldn't fucking do anything. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I know that I struggle with my confidence because I put too much pressure on myself, which might be because of the way we were parented because of that sort of um, generation. But it gives me fucking drive and motivation and determination yeah. to do things and, and be good at them. Yeah. But I don't think you can call it a blanket bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. But I think, like, there's always going to be ways in which how you parent or how you were parented is going to fuck you up. Oh, yeah. There's no no way around it. You can... I don't think there's such a thing as raising a a well-balanced person. because, of course not. That... Someone is either going to be well balanced or they're not. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, if you are actively like a cruel and neglectful parent, yeah, then you're going to not raise a very well adjusted person. Yeah. 
the likelihood is. <clears throat> but I think as long as you're you're trying and you approach parenting with like kindness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that there there is an awful lot of difference in how your kid is gonna turn out. Yeah. Shout out to our friend Katie, by the way, who said to us about she was like, the best advice I can give you is just accept that all kids are going to need therapy when they're older. <laughs> and, if, and if you're open to that and just like really open with your children about that and go, hey, when you're older, you're probably going to need therapy because of the way I parented you. And that's OK. Yeah. Then you've done a good job. Yeah. As long as you pointed them in the right direction to a good therapist, then everyone's happy. <laughs> I think that's another thing that needs to be said about like our parents and the way that they parented us is that we accept that there are things that we're probably doing wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. All the time. The, the generation, the time. like, above us, I don't think... Like, they tend to be a lot more defensive. Well, I, I've spoken to my mum about this, and she's like... She was like, we just didn't know any different. Yeah. We just... It is the, it is the way it is. It was the way it was. And... They're, pro- they're more defensive about it, I guess, because they um, didn't have access to being um, open with their emotions because, it was, <laughs> you know, everything before us was like repressed, you know, don't talk about shit. Yeah. And that's very difficult. But I think like, like my mum said, she's like, we just, we didn't think we were doing anything wrong because we didn't know any better. Yeah. And we would never question the way we parented because it was never questioned to us. We're now questioned all the fucking time about it. <laughs> yeah. Are you gentle parenting enough? Is your gentle parenting gentle enough? Yeah. I don't think you should do it this way because it might affect this part of their brain. Like none of that happened in the 90s and any year before that until the start of time. Yeah. So <laughs> I see a lot of parallels in it when you see older people speaking about how they parented their children mm. and when you see them having an opinion on the housing market <laughs> like i yeah. see a lot of parallels they're like <laughs> well you know houses might have been 50p but we only made 2p a week so yeah. it was the same and it's like well no like, yeah, yeah do the maths grandma <laughs> <laughs> it's just like when you look at how much houses cost as a percentage of yeah. wage yeah i think i saw a, a video a few days ago saying that like back in our parents or grandparents generation a house would be like maybe two or three or four times an, an annual salary yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. now yeah. it's like 70 times an annual yeah. salary it's, yeah. it's insane yeah and but they still like they equate that in their head as being yeah. like well it was hard for us to save up 25p for a deposit on our house yeah yeah so it's it's also going to be hard for you and you're like well yeah but yeah, but it's a lot harder to save harder. 40 grand yeah, than yeah. it was to save 25p. Yeah. And they're like that with parenting as well. They're like, um, you know, well, it was hard for us as well. We didn't have yeah. access to the things that you have. We had no screens to keep our children quiet and all this. And it's yeah, like, but you, but you didn't mind hitting them <laughs> yeah, to keep them quiet. So I'll take the screen. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you mean. There's always, and I really like, I hope that we're still um, friends when we're elderly because we're going to have to stop ourselves from doing that. Yeah. I say this to Dave. Dave talks about the man at the end of the road who leaf blows. He's like, he's got a massive fuck off tree in his garden, but every single morning goes out and blows all the leaves away. And Dave hates him because one time he turned the leaf blower on as Dave was walking back with Lola when she was a baby and she was asleep and it woke her up. 
so now we just hate him and um it's just like he he i use the leaf blowing man as an example if dave's doing something a bit like grumpy old manny yeah so like if he says something to ramona that's a bit like oh don't oh, you know like getting annoyed about something or getting annoyed about something that's totally pointless mm. and i'd be like you're turning into leaf blower your turn don't turn into the leaf blower like i don't want to turn into the leaf blower like i don't want to be that guy that when i'm 80 i'm going yeah you don't know you're born you had all what about all this and all this that phrase you don't know you're born it was so difficult for us it was so difficult for everyone it's all relative grow up <laughs> grow the fuck up but yeah there's there's like a few instances where um i know my mum's been like I remember we were walking through Highcross Shopping Centre when Lo- Ramona was quite little and she was kicking off about something. I think she wanted to go, like I'd said we were going to go into a shop to get something and we hadn't gone in that shop yet. So she started to have a tantrum in the middle of the shopping centre. And I just like sat on the floor with her and I was just like explained to her why we hadn't gone to that shop yet and what we were going to do, where we were going to go and at what point we would go to that shop and get that thing so that she felt safe in the knowledge that that thing was going to happen at some point. Yeah. And my mum was just like mind blown. She was like, this never happened when we were, when you were kids. We would never explain to you what was happening and when it was happening. It was like, if we were going somewhere, you were with us. You no, were just bundled into the car. No questions asked. Yeah. Nothing was explained to you ever. And it was like, she wasn't saying, you know, it was bad or good either way. She was just... Yeah, it wasn't a criticism. It was more no, of an observation. No, it was like a, the way we parented. I think my parents are quite good at being aware of the fact that like, the way they parented, that there are probably things that they might have done wrong, but also they didn't know about it. And... Yeah, just like little differences like that is quite, um, it's quite, I mean, some of my grandma's stories about how she was parented are wild. Yeah. I mean, she was growing up in the war. Yeah. Um, she was born in 1930. And it was like things like she had two brothers. And if any, if either of her brothers wanted, she, she said like she used to, she wasn't allowed to eat quickly because if one of her brothers wanted some of the meat off her plate, they were allowed to take it because they were the boys. So she was like, I never got to eat meat because like they would just take, they would just, they'd eat their dinner really, really quickly and then take all my food off my plate. And that was totally fine because I was a girl. The stories my granny <laughs> tells me, it's mental. <laughs> the stories my granny used to tell me about growing up, she grew up in Ireland mm. and as one of 10 children. Fuck it out. <laughs> so she was like, Jesus. <laughs> she was like, well, it was just a scramble to get our clothes in the morning because they just had like one kind of, collective wardrobe and it was whoever, whoever got, got the earliest got, got the least raggedy clothes christ wow i mean in that sense we don't know we're born <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we really really don't i mean lola maybe because she just gets <laughs> all of ramona's old clothes well but, yeah. ramona gets all of darcy's ramona, old clothes yeah, ramona gets all of darcy's old clothes which are all beautiful though so it's fine yeah okay so shall we go through your lovely list of now parenting skills now Yes, so parenting styles. Styles. Um, there's widely accepted that there are like four different kind of broad categories. Yes, of how to parent. So, and it's it, you kind of see it on a on a like a chart. Yeah. So there's permissive parenting, which is you just let your child do whatever they want, basically. Yeah. And you don't tell them off. Mm-hmm. Um. You just kind of let them go at it. And I think that's that is what the public or like the most widespread understanding of what gentle parenting is. Uh-huh. I think that's where it comes from. 
you just let your child do whatever whatever they want yeah but that is in itself damaging in its own way because you're not teaching your child then to be a a member of society Mm. if you let them do whatever they want and that includes being you know nasty to other children and you're not teaching them how to operate because as much as like society is not great and there are definitely things that need to be changed i feel like it's your responsibility as a parent to teach your child how to operate within the society that we live in yeah i I so teaching them manners teaching them right from wrong i think the other thing as well with that kind of style is that you are you're you're almost without by not doing anything you're teaching your kid that that there are no consequences to your behavior for anybody and the the problem with that is throughout life people who are your peers and also people in power are going to treat you completely differently yeah so the example i always use with permissive parenting is teachers at high school because i remember this very very well Mm. my science teacher was a fucking prick my english teacher was lovely and you have to navigate acting differently around those two people. Yeah, both authority figures, but both in authority very, very different figures, ways. Both treat you completely differently, and there's fuck all you can do about it. Yeah. So on the the chart that I was speaking about, they put it on like kind of two axes, and then there's um, demands mm. and responsiveness. Okay. So with permissive parenting, you have very low demands for your child. Yeah. But extremely high responsiveness. Yeah. So a lot of this yeah. comes into like um like attachment parenting uh-huh. and things like that. So you you are there for your child all the time. Yeah. But you don't really ask much of okay. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so the t- permissive parents as a, a whole tend to be very loving, very nurturing. Yeah. But they don't really have they're not demanding anything. They don't the have child. rules. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's yeah. no guidelines for how they behave and where that becomes difficult is when your child wants to run into a road yeah or when your child goes to school yeah yeah, and they're used to yeah nothing being asked of them at home their mum being very responsive and very like nurturing towards all their needs and Mm. kind of almost preempting what they need before they ask for it yeah then they walk into a school environment and the teacher's got like 30 other children yeah and they're not getting the same and i think that kind of that's its own kind of culture shock for that child yeah you've got you're in a room with 30 other kids all of which have been parented differently yeah they're all acting differently they're all going to treat you differently you've got a teacher you've not got one teacher you've got let's face it you've got maybe three or four teachers because you have a teacher teaching assistant on some days ramona's being teached by another person who i don't know yeah you've got you've then got the authority figures even higher up you've got your head teachers yeah you've got all the other kids in the school so if you're starting like a standard primary school in the uk you've got you're going to be sharing a playground with children up to the age of 11 yeah and you've got to navigate all of that and you've not once been taught a boundary Mm. i think that i think that's got to be really really difficult as the child yeah to suddenly now be told like you have to be here at this time and you have Mm. to sit still and concentrate and listen i think that has got to be extremely jarring for a child especially a young child to suddenly walk into an environment where there are expectations and demands on their behavior when they've had what four years of 
no expectation being allowed to do whatever they want i think that's got to be damaging for the child in its own way i would have thought so and i just want to say as well that none of this is us like bashing how anybody chooses to parent their children no we're just a question we're just questioning every single element of it aren't we i think based on the four um styles that we're going to discuss i think that you and i are a mixture of all four apart yeah. from no <laughs> not neglectful or maybe maybe on a occasion <laughs> on occasion i yeah i guess the the only so neglectful is the last one on the list but neglectful i would say um only in the sense that there are moments where it's like we literally have to leave the room or do you know what i mean like yeah you have to leave the room for your own sanity but i don't yeah no we're not neglectful are we come on okay the, the other ones uh so the next a mixture one of all, <laughs> yeah. we're a mixture of the top three but definitely not neglectful <laughs> So the next one uh, would be authoritative parenting, which is, yes. um, I think, more kind of in alignment with what, quote unquote, gentle parenting should be. Yeah. So it's you're providing structure and boundaries for your child. Yeah. But you're still attentive and uh, responsive to what they need and what they're, they're experiencing Respect, and feeling. Respectful of their choices, respectful of their feelings towards things, talking about their feelings. Yeah. Expect, you know, like, I think the difference, and this is why I, I try to be as authoritative as possible, mm-hmm. is that I would like to set boundaries for my kids because I think it works. But the difference to how my parents parented is that I explain those boundaries and try to give them choices surrounding those boundaries yeah and when we if we go back to the the chart that i was speaking about that you're like you're high demand but Mm. also high responsiveness okay so you're you're expecting a lot from your children yeah but you're helping them meet them yeah yeah, yeah, those expectations that you're setting so it's that that one's very much like a two-way street yeah i think that's um I think that's the that's the category that I try to fall into as much as yeah, possible. Yeah. yeah, that's how I want to parent in an ideal world. But yeah. sometimes... Sometimes we skip up to the... What's the next one? Authoritarian. So authoritarian is, I would say, the way we were parented. Yeah. Most, I would say, predominantly most people our age were parented. Similarly, yeah. Similarly, your parents in charge, you do what they say. Yeah. I think, and the main difference here is that with authoritative parenting, um, you're explaining things. You're explaining Mm. why the rules are the rules. You're discussing whether you should have certain rules at all. um, And you're reasoning with your child. So if you're saying, well, when you go to bed, so you go to bed at this time and you say, you know, you need to go to bed so that you can get a good night's sleep so that tomorrow... You're not tired and you have lots of energy. You've got lots of energy. So you're explaining it to them in a way that they can understand you. And that, in theory, helps them follow the rules and the guidelines happily behavior more happily yeah yeah, yeah. and and that's not to say that you can you can explain the rules that you're setting till you're blue in the face and your kid will still sometimes be like, nah fuck that. Oh yeah, I'd say daily. They also, I would also say there are there are two other bits towards the authoritative bit thing, which is that you are open as an adult and the, the caregiver to changing the boundaries. Yeah. For your child, I think that's an, another big thing. Is like accepting 
accepting that those boundaries actually might be a bit authoritarian and then you go do you know what actually yeah you can go tell you what yes you can go to bed half an hour later let's read another story because of this this and this and then it's also like i think this is a bit more tailored to each specific child because some children will want to will naturally push back on those Mm. those rules a little bit more and then it's about meeting them where they're at and figuring out what's going to be best for them whereas with authoritarian parenting no change no change you do this is what's happening the other thing as well i would say about authoritative is like um your child being allowed to set boundaries with you yeah so like ramona's quite good i know i do have issues with her outbursts sometimes but like her ability to understand emotions not just in herself but also in me and dave mm-hmm. and being able to say why are you so angry mummy yes and me being able and that that in turn being able to go oh fuck yeah no i'm what's wrong with me but i think that is a, in a way that's showing that you are for the most part an authoritative parent because you've taught her how to identify those feelings within herself and within you and dave yeah yeah, yeah. darcy's the same like she can identify my emotions so she'll start crying because she's and she'll say i've made you angry yeah 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 and also i think the big the big point there is that the fact that they're able to say that to you makes them makes me feel safe in the knowledge that they feel safe yeah if if ramona's able to say to me why are you angry that means she feels safe enough to question it yeah and then for me to go i'm just really stressed because of this this and this and this yeah it's mainly you your presence (laughs) it's mainly just you existing around me and your behavior happening near me that is making me angry no i don't say any of that (laughs) (laughs) that's what i'm thinking but i think like children that are parented in this way tend to be like friendly have good relationships with Mm. their friends and with other other adults um they can be i mean according to the information that i was reading they can be self-reliant yeah i'm not sure that 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 applies in darcy's case i think my my own research would uh, suggest that is incorrect (laughs) Okay. But then you see you see peaks of it, don't you, in their behaviour? Yeah, 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 of course, of course. One that sticks out in my mind, I remember, I think it was during the pandemic at some point, like in between lockdowns, you'd come to my house and we went to the park. Oh, is that when Ramona had a breakdown? And Ramona had oh, a breakdown. fucking horrible. And we were walking back and Darcy just like lifted up her T-shirt and wiped Ramona's tears oh, away that with was, her T-shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was a real moment for me, like that i was like well i'm do- i'm doing something doing right. right yeah i did not think i was doing anything right <laughs> i i sat in the car and cro- howled for hours after that it was awful i mean to be fair ramona was just annoyed that she had to leave the park yeah and i was like i'm not i can't be in this park with you while you're screaming <laughs> sorry we have to go i was awful but yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. you were just pregnant with Lola then. I think that was the day mm. that you told me that you were pregnant with Lola. And then Ramona was like, yeah, I'm not okay with this situation. <laughs> Kick off. Remind you that I exist. Yeah. And scream for two hours. Um, so I'm going to, before we move on to authoritarian, which is kind of like the next step up, right? Which is the parents in charge, children do as the parents say. Yeah. I want to play a devil's advocate for a second here. Uh-huh. Because... You know, these are the sort of things we as a generation have to deal with because every single generation before us 
was an authoritative parenting style, right? Yeah. So I'm going to play devil's advocate, a.k.a. anyone over the age of 40. Yeah. That's what I'm going to play now, which yeah. is all of this, like, authoritative or permissive parenting, generally, you're giving your child more choice and more kind of... Um, control. Control and sort of, like they're more in charge right and i would say that there's a, i'm not saying people we know but i think a lot of i think maybe my grandma's probably a contender for one of these sorts of people that would just say like your child's not in control like your child your child sorry you're not in control of your child because you're just letting them do whatever, whatever the fuck they want yeah so in like sort of like public scenarios so let's use like permissive parenting as an example you're on the park you're with your kids your kid I don't know, climbs up something they shouldn't and it's really high up. And as a permissive parent, it would be thinking about, well, oh yeah, you're fine. It's fine. Yeah. Do what you like. And if an old person sat on the bench watching, they'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? That's not good parenting. Yeah. So like, where do we stand with all of that? This is what I'm always trying to kind of figure out. I think as if, if we say that we are aiming to parent as authoritative parents. Mm. Um, if your child has climbed up, for example, something that's too high for them, it's then our job to explain to them, like safely get them down. Yeah. But then it's our job to explain to them, you shouldn't climb that high because you could get hurt. Yeah. And if you get hurt, we have to go to the hospital yeah. and I don't want you to get Good hurt. Tip. So please don't do that. Yeah. Philippa Perry always says, doesn't she? I, she was talking on another um, podcast about um, about being parents. Um, it's not as successful as ours. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's one of the most successful podcasts in the UK. Um, but she was saying that you should always you should always present those sentences as an I. I want you to, to like. Oh, it's raining outside. I want. I want you to take your umbrella. I'm worried that if you go out without your umbrella, you'll get wet. So humour me and please take your umbrella. Yeah. And then she said, because you're basically, instead of putting that on the child, you're putting it on yourself and the Mm. situation rather than the child. Yeah. So you should always present it as that. So I try to do that as much as possible. And... And also, I just think it's really important to let children, like, figure out that there are natural consequences for stupid behaviour. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Instead I think just... they need to understand that if you play silly games, you win silly prizes. If you're <laughs> insisting yeah, yeah. that you want to go out in the rain with no yeah. coat on, yeah, I don't see any harm yeah. in letting them go out in the rain with no coat on and then like yeah. whinge about being cold and wet. Well, it's it's just really interesting. This is what I think about like these sort of scenarios because that's what I do. But you still now like you take your kid out. They've kicked off about the coats. So you go fuck it. We don't take the coat. Or I'll carry it and you can get cold. And you'll be walking down the street, your kid's in a t-shirt and it's minus one degrees. And you get like obscene looks from old people. Yeah. Like you're being a shit parent because your child hasn't got a coat on. And I just think, well, what what would you have done? Forced them into Forced the them coat. Forced them into the coat. Yeah. Who's better? But yeah, because you're then, like, you're teaching them then that... I think authoritarian... No, you're, you're teaching them... Um, to that when 
when you don't when they go out with a coat without yeah. a coat on they get cold yeah but like the authority the author the, the old person version of that where you force the coat on someone is that your child is being taught that even if you don't consent to something it's okay for an adult to do something non-consensual to you yeah. i don't want to wear my coat you're fucking wearing a coat yeah great now i don't know where i lie if someone ta- asks me to do something that i don't want to do i just have to accept it yeah i think as well um you're future proofing yeah as an authoritative parent yeah you're yeah. teaching them that yeah. consequence so hopefully yeah. i mean i'm not saying it's immediate like they go out one time without a coat get cold whinge that they're there like i will wear my coat forevermore yeah, yeah. but you're of every single time you do something like that yeah. you're future proofing them against having that same power struggle again in the future yeah, yeah, yeah whereas authoritarian parents they say you put the coat on they physically put the coat onto the child mm-hmm. you're not te- you're not teaching them anything no and you're all- teaching them that you want them to wear a coat you're also teaching them that you don't care about their feelings because they might not be cold <laughs> that's the other thing like i have to remember you like i i you know this about me temperatures <clears throat> temperatures are a big issue for me I'm a lizard living in the UK, so I'm constantly cold. And I have to constantly remind myself that just because I am freezing does not mean that my child is freezing. And it's just like a constant, like, I don't want to put my coat on, I'm not cold. Okay, that's fine. I'm freezing. I'm going to put my coat on because I'm really, really cold. And I forget that I'm probably much colder than you are. But, like, by forcing them, I think that you're going to be cold. So I think, like, you definitely have to wear a coat because I think that you might be cold. I'm not even going to ask you your opinion on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm choosing that you're cold, so you're going to put your coat on. Yeah, but I think a lot of it. So because I spend quite a lot of time with my grandma, who's very very elderly, and what I've realised is that a lot of that kind of authoritarian parenting, especially in this country, I think, mm. all boils down to keeping up appearances. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, yeah. the whole lot. None of it is actually about you. Children should be seen, not heard. All of that. It's how other people are going to perceive me as a mother and my children. Yeah. And I'm starting to realise, I'm starting to undo that because I do think about it a lot. I'm like, oh God, what must that woman have thought of me while my kid was wearing a t-shirt? Oh, hang on a minute. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I think it's really difficult though to, to disengage from that. Yeah, of course it is. And, like, for me as a single parent, I think I found it more difficult than most because, mm. like, there's already expectations of what what kind of children single motherhood produces. Yeah. You're already down a room. And you're already, like, a minority. You're already... Oh, well, she didn't have... Okay, there's not the father there. Mm. What does that mean? Yeah. You know? And not that I don't think anyone in this generation thinks that at all. But and then every when single one before us. <laughs> when she's acting up in public, it's like, well, that's fatherless behaviour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like I'm always, at like, one step behind. Yeah. But, I like... And trying to unlearn that and disengage from that and not care what people think is extremely, extremely difficult. Yeah, of course it is. And I think sometimes there's definitely been situations, especially when Ramona was a baby and I was like not well mentally. I think that I pandered to those thoughts of older people and it made me parent differently. In certain scenarios, I've been like, I'd switch to having an authoritative 
no authoritarian parenting style to adhere to the strangers around me looking yeah like you're in a doctor's surgery and your kid's screaming and you're surrounded by old people who are judging you so you suddenly go fuck it i'll be a parent from the 1940s so my kids stop screaming yeah and you don't feel any better about it you feel worse you feel so much worse because you know that it's not the parenting style you want to take but you feel like compelled to act that way around older people because you're worried of what they might think of you yeah and i think it's only now that maybe it's because that the kids are older and they've really worn us down <laughs> that we've just stopped caring as much yeah going, do you know what i don't think it matters and it's about growing into yourself as a mother as well isn't it yeah and, and being sure that you know you're doing the, you know deep down you're doing the best you can and you see your child growing into the person that you're molding them to be yeah and yeah i think there's a lot of power in that in that yeah. like, like they start to get older and you start to see the values that you're trying to instill in them kind of come to the forefront. They actually and you're flourish like, and you're like, you know, fuck, you're a good kid. <laughs> like, I'm actually doing something yeah. right. And one of the hardest things I found is like when they're having their tantrums, when they're having their bad, bad moments, it really takes me a long time to remember that. I think if I could remember that earlier, I'd deal with situations better. So when yeah. she starts kicking off and I start to like get shaky and like, oh God, this is going to be a bad one. I'm going to be weeping like a Victorian lady for five hours. <laughs> what I need to remember is like, this is just something, this is just her being a kid and her not being able to regulate her emotions because the mm. rest of the time, actually I've been doing my job properly. Yeah. She says really lovely things and thinks about things and is thoughtful and caring. And I mean, for the amount she fucking pushes Lola over you'd think the girl was a you know proper sociopath but you know we'll, we'll get there they're siblings <laughs> they're siblings that's what siblings are for that's what siblings are for you're right anyway we've digressed yes so uh quick overview I think we've spoken about authoritarian parenting quite a lot but that's we know kind this. of like we high demand this. low responsiveness yeah yeah um you yeah. have expectations for your child you expect them to follow your rules there's no explanation. Yeah. There's no reasoning. Fulfill ex- the expectations. Yeah. Or that, or there will be punishment. Yeah. 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 Well, and like that can come into like physical punishment. Yeah. Or, uh, and I don't think that's very common anymore. Well, it's illegal. Yeah. But like, the- but it wasn't illegal like that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Which is quite scary, isn't it? Yeah. I don't think it was illegal when I was a little kid. I think you could smack your kid when I was a kid. Yeah. I think it was maybe You could 90s. smack your kid until, like, about ten years ago. Yeah. God, that's mad, isn't it? That's yeah. wild. Yeah. That's wild. And then we have neglectful parenting, which is low demand and low responsiveness. So you just don't give a shit what they're doing. Yeah. Neglectful parenting is just, um, I don't know. Just letting the kid get on with it. Yeah. Now, okay, so the difference between neglectful and permissive is that you're... With permissive, you're responsive to their. You're responding to you, everything yeah, a lot. You've got high, you've got high responsiveness, so you're, yeah. you know, always there with your child. You're very nurturing towards them. Yeah. With neglectful parenting, you're, you're not, like kind of ignoring the fact that they exist. Be, might not even be in the same house. Yeah. You've just yeah, you'd be like, I'm gonna go and get myself a McDonald's. See you in a bit. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, or you're in another room and, like, letting them... I mean, I quite often am in another room. <laughs> yeah, but it's a diff- there's a difference, isn't there? Oh, yeah, there's yeah. There's a massive difference between, like, letting your child sit in, the ro- sit in a room and watch the telly because that's, like, 
you've got your own expectations of how long that's going to happen for until you dip back in again, right? Whereas yeah. if you're in a neglectful parent, you're like, see you later, I'm going to leave the telly on. Yeah. I don't know when I'll be back in this room. Mm. I don't care when I'll be back in this room. Yeah. And you're not, like, if your child comes to you with, like, an issue or something, you're just like, mm, get on with it, whatever. Yeah. don't care. I think, um, I think generally speaking... I know that there are there's obvious there's obvious issues with the authoritarian approaches like we've said it is illegal to hurt your child obviously <laughs> but uh, other than that all those other kind of um things we've spoken about in terms of like demand and expectation and punishment and all that sort of thing I think what what we I don't know are we try is what we're trying to say we've kind of tried to like dissect every single part of it but neglectful if you're doing anything but neglectful then you know crack on yeah right like I, d- I think it's very difficult for a parent to just solely be in one category yeah I think so you're always yeah. going to be doing kind of a mix of the three yeah and that brings me on to my next question which is how okay. how do we want to parent and how does it compare to reality because I want to be an authoritative parent. Yes. I want to provide that safe yeah. structure and boundaries yeah. and uh, and have open discussion. Yeah, I, I agree. I want to be authoritative, authoritative but in, all of the time. Yeah, but in reality, there are days where I'm, I just let her get on with what she with whatever she wants to do because I can't mm. can't cope with trying to maintain yeah i think that i think that i am mostly authoritative if i'm if like ramona's kicking off but and then there are days again authoritarian yeah where i'm like we are doing this yeah yeah. you are going to do as i say otherwise one of us is having a breakdown yeah yeah (laughs) essentially i definitely like me and dave definitely dip into authoritarian um and there's trigger points for us like dinner time is definitely a trigger point for both of us Mm -hmm. and that will kind of make us sway into authoritarian because they're triggering points from when we were kids and that that idea of sitting around the table and eating your food when you're supposed to and then you sort of like naturally fall into authoritarian and then you feel really guilty about it so you start and pull back and go oh it's fine don't you don't need to eat your dinner there's so many issues there but like i found that it is impossible for me to be a permissive parent with ramona that does not work for Ramona if I was a permissive parent with Ramona then I think that's as bad as me being a neglectful parent to Ramona because she just would like not cope so she just she needs the demand she She needs needs the to be given she needs expectations she needs like yeah she needs me to give her structure she needs me to be there for her if I was a permissive parent she would be a mess yeah i couldn't allow that for her like i've we've spoke before about when she has how we deal with like tantrums she can't be left on her own because she has the the times where we've had to like leave the room and go i can't do this she's been on the verge of panic attack yeah so you can't just leave her to it you can't whereas with lola so with ramona it's kind of like mostly authoritative verging into authoritarian when i'm having a shit day yeah and then with lola it's the opposite way authoritative most of the time but she can t- you can totally be a permissive parent with Lola. Yeah. All right, fucking get on with it, pal. She's like, all right. Yeah. Dar- I think I'm See you then. very similar with Darcy, actually. Um, when when things are difficult, 
the tendency is for me to I mean I it's it's a hard one I think I go between the three yeah but generally speaking I'm more likely to lean into permissiveness and just let her get on with whatever it is she she wants to do that I don't want her to do yeah rather than be like well I want you to do this yeah 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 but there are definitely times where it's like I just want you to do as you're told. Do you think that sometimes, because def- there's definitely moments, and I don't know if it's permissiveness, maybe it is, there's definitely times where I just switch off. So if it's kicking off around the dinner table, and I just go, ooh, yeah, or just, not dis- just disengage. Disengage. And I do wonder, like, I don't know if you feel like this, but do you think that you sway towards permissiveness in those situations because you think it's better than me fucking shouting? Yeah. So I'll just ignore it. Yeah, yeah. Because I really... I really don't want to be a shouty mum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know that I... I am. I, I am. Like, <laughs> I've got a naturally quick temper. Yeah. Try so hard not to be, but I, I try am. so hard not to shout at her all the time. Yeah. But then then I do, and then I feel yeah. guilty. So, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. I, to a certain extent, would prefer to just shut down and disengage mm. and let her get on with it. Yeah than I would at shouting. And I think it's it goes back to what we were saying about like expectation. Yeah. I think in public or when I'm around other people, I have more of a tendency to go down like the authoritarian route and shout at her. Because and, you think like, that's what people expect you to do. Yeah. Where yeah. at home yeah. I have more of a tendency to just leave her to it and walk away, remove myself from the situation. Interesting. Do you know I think I'm the complete opposite? I think in public I'm more likely to be permissive because I don't, it's like, I don't want to cause a scene. I mean, I'm just going to, I tap out at this point, whatever. Yeah. And then at home, it's like, no one's watching. No one's watching. (laughs) Will you fucking eat your dinner? I don't say fucking, but I do say, please eat your dinner. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like it's, um, yeah, I think I do the opposite. And I feel, I feel endlessly guilty about that because I just think, well, I know that shouting isn't right because I save it for when I'm at home. That's how it, fe- it feels like I, I feel it's like accepting of me to lose my temper at home because no one's going to see me do it. And then I just feel awful about it because I'm just like, oh, well, you're an absolute cretin. Because if you, <laughs> you, you're, you know, if you only think it's OK to shout to your and I don't think it's OK that I shout at my kids. I don't. I hate it. I hate it about myself so much. But it's like, yeah, quick, I'm quick tempered. Yeah. It's my it's like my go to if I'm. I can lose my mind. Anyway. Anyway, um, what behaviours do we see as challenging behaviours and how do we handle them? Uh, like, you know, I don't know, things like um, kicking off because Geno's is full and her screaming <laughs> uh, and just having to, like, strap her into the car seat and she's kicking my chair, shouting, I'm going to take my seatbelt off as Dave's driving down a dual carriageway. That sort of thing. That's yeah. quite challenging, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I think trying to kick a door down because she lost a game. That sort of that sort of behavior. That's uh, I would say that's challenging. Yeah, yeah. There are lots of <laughs> challenging behaviors happening at the minute. I think one that I'm dealing with specifically at the moment is her just crying mm. all the time. And is it like um, sobbing, crying, or angry crying? Both. But oh wow, okay. Yeah. And like. So, for example, yesterday we came home from school and she just cried from the minute we got home until, like, 
dinner time. Now sit back from the microphone here, but can you do an impression of the cry just so I know what's like, just to describe it. <laughs> okay, sobbing. That's sobbing. Sobbing. Oh, that's annoying, isn't it? Yeah. And, very annoying. And like, and I have this inkling that there is something going on maybe at school maybe yeah. just within herself possible growth spurt yeah have this have this this inkling that there is something going on but it's so difficult to be sympathetic when it's she's making happening. that noise yeah 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 and yeah, it's yeah. so annoying yeah this comes back to that thing we spoke about before about how um your flight and fight flight and fight response kicks in when your kids kick off whether it's crying or screaming or shouting or whatever so you want to fuck off. Yeah. The sound of the crying and the shouting is is like overwhelming, sensory overload. It's jarring, but it also kicks our mothering instinct in to save the child that you birthed, right? Yeah. So you're you're just constantly clashing. And I think that applies to crying as well. Sobbing yeah. and crying. It is okay for that sound to be really fucking annoying to you. Yeah. It's okay that you feel like that. It's totally okay when your child is crying like that to be like, please shut up. Yeah. Please. It's just, and we're having to have a lot of conversations at the minute about what appropriate reactions are Mm. for different things. Yeah. So I had to say to her, like to try and make her understand. So I think this is a good example of how like I'm trying to Mm. authoritatively parent so to try and make her understand that not every single thing that happens warrants her crying about it. Mm. Unless it's the first day of your period, which is not because you're six. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, they had a an author into school Yeah. this week that came to do a reading of a book. So a couple of weeks ago, they said you can order the books online, they'll be delivered to the kids' class, or... The author will be in school and you can go and buy a book in person. So sure. I was like, okay, I'll order it online. The day that the author was there, I I was in a real rush to pick her up. Um, and Darcy said, oh, can we go to the library so I can buy the book from, from the author? And I said, well, not today because I've left my phone at home and I don't have my purse on me because I mm. have come to pick you up from school. And also you'd ordered the book, right? And we hadn't ordered it yet and I said we can go home and you can have a look through all of them and pick which one you want the most immediate breakdown Ah, never buy me anything so you know what that is that is because that's one of those things and I remember situations when I felt like that at school I I remember certain situations and that is when you've been given expectations, as the child, you've been told expectations by not only your parents, but like your whole school. Your whole school has told you that you can buy this book from this person at this time. And then your mum comes to pick you up and says, we can't do that right now. Yeah. She's lost her shit because she's like, oh, hang on, hang on. I think you'll find there's over 100 people in my school and they've all told me that I can buy this book from this person right this second. Yeah. And you... One person has told me I cannot. <laughs> and it's like, I totally understand why why that happens. I, t- I totally understand why she completely lost her shit. But it's also like, they can't get past the point where you're going, I'm literally offering you everything but 
yeah. getting that book right now. Like I am saying, we can Everything. go home. You can get, get my phone and look. You can choose. You get to options. choose. In fact, but by this point, you're thinking, I'll buy you two, mate. You can yeah. have two of them. You can have the whole collection. Have the collection. But it's like by that point, they've it's gone. It's completely gone. They've lost yeah. it. Yeah. And I had to say to her, how am I ever going to know? And I don't even mm. know if this is right. If this is correct parenting. I said to her, how, how am I going to know when, when you are really upset yeah. if this is how you react to something so non-consequential? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it came back around of course it the did. next day or the day after because she has just been, like, weeping for no reason yeah. so much. She'd been walking downstairs and, like, she likes to hang off the banisters and just, like... They do like doing shit like that, don't they? So I was in the kitchen making dinner and all I heard was... This is literally the boy who cried wolf. You're like, oh, it's probably the book again. And I was just like, whatever. I completely ignored her. And then she'd walked through the kitchen and I was just ignoring her. She walked into the other room where my mum was and my mum was like oh my god look what she's done she'd like bashed her head off the wall and had like a rapidly growing duck egg duck egg on her forehead and i was like oh now i feel like the worst parent in the world you're trying so hard to say oh not crying over the book now are you pal (laughs) i don't want to throw my parents under the bus because i do love them dearly and although we've like discussed different parenting styles they were the fucking best right they were like i had the best childhood i have absolutely no complaints but at this point I would like to tell you the story of my little brother, Louis, who was the youngest child and obviously completely neglected. He was on a trampoline with all of his mates. We were around my my pet, my parents' good friend's house and we were all sat in the garden and they all the kids were on a trampoline. And Louis, who was quite dramatic as a child, to be fair to him, got off the trampoline and was complaining how he'd like fallen over and bashed his head. And he made such a song and dance over it to the point that my parents got annoyed, like angry with him because they were just like, like you're playing up. You are acting because you're in front of all these people. Yeah. And we went home with him sobbing in the car and them just being like, shut the fuck up, like shut up. You're being ridiculous. That came back to haunt them less than a day later because that night Louis woke up in the middle of the night crying. They went to him and there was just loads of pink shit coming out of his ears He'd perforated his eardrum. But it was the same thing. It was like all of that dramatic reaction to stuff. And then he ever so slightly, what they thought was ever so slightly bashed his head on a trampoline. And they're like, shut up. Yeah. You are being dramatic. And then actually, no, he'd really hurt his ear. (laughs) That's exactly that, isn't it? It's exactly that. But you're right, because it is. That's, that's, That's what you're saying. You're saying like, what if what if you've perforated your eardrum and I had no idea about it because you've been crying over a book for an hour? Yeah. It's really and hard. I, I asked her, I didn't even tell her, mm-hmm. I asked her if she would tidy her bedroom. Mm-hmm. I was like, look, you've been getting out of bed when I put you to bed and getting all the books out so they're all over the floor. Your mm-hmm. bedroom's really messy. Would you tidy it up for me, please? <laughs> you would have thought I asked her to conscript into the war yeah 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 here's a gun yeah (laughs) i was and i just my mind was but intellectually i know that she is only six and she is still learning how to deal with her emotions that's the hardest thing isn't it intellectually i know that yeah yeah in practice yeah 
You're like, how is this unreasonable? I don't understand yeah. how you're not. Yeah, yeah. How are you not computing this? And it's not until you've had that like that kind of um, incident. It's not until afterwards where you go, oh, it's because she's six. Yeah. And I think as well, and I think maybe this is this is a difference between parenting girls and parenting boys, is that you, I think cause, because girls tend to have higher levels of emotional maturity, mm. you have higher expectations of them and of their behaviour. It starts so young, doesn't it? Because she is, like, for the most part, mm. quite emotionally mature. Yeah. I have... I, I I think I hold her to a standard that's higher than that she is maybe naturally capable of of meeting. Yeah, yeah I think I do. I de- I think I definitely hold Ramona to a higher standard, and I f- I feel endlessly guilty about it. I'm like I I I am too hard on her, way too hard on her, and that again that's that's why I think this episode is really interesting because it makes me think about how I was parented, and I just think oh. Was that expected of me? Was that high? Was I? Were my parents too hard on me because they expected too much of me? Because I don't think they were, but maybe mm. they were. Maybe they were. I don't know. I don't feel like it's had any lasting damage on me. I feel like I'm quite well rounded. Yeah. I definitely react in certain ways the way my parents did, which I wish I didn't. But at the same time, I don't feel any like. I don't feel like there are any consequences to. I don't think there are any negative consequences to the way that my parents treated me. Yeah. I don't think. Um, do you think that... Jesus Christ, one hour 24. Come on. <laughs> come on, let's get through this. Let's get... Come on. It's a big one. Do you think that the pandemic has had an effect on our children? Yes. So, for context, our kids were about... Ramona was... Two or nearly two. Ramona turned two in lockdown. Yeah. Darcy turned two just before lockdown. So, bear in mind that dogs are like fairly intelligent creatures but they're not as intelligent as humans yeah. right my dog is a fair as dogs go she's an intelligent dog she's she's smart and yeah. usually smart dogs are the ones that have behavior problems because they're smart enough to realize that things might be scary or a threat right and yeah. stupid dogs are just like wow right so if my dog could have such a drastic behavioral turnaround from lockdown within yeah. a space of like six months she went from being like a normal what you would consider a normal dog that could meet other dogs could be in the presence of other humans could go to other people's houses could sit in a car quite happily could go anywhere could be let off a lead mm. to there being a lockdown and her now bear in mind how long has it been since lockdown why am i looking at a pretend watch <laughs> um however many years it's like been since three lockdown. years uh we we only Took four years four years lockdown. so we only really let people in the house if they're people that have that know what dogs can be like yeah because she's terrifying um because she's so scared that someone coming in the house might hurt her kids dobby if you're listening no one's gonna hurt your kids they're my kids actually they're mine (laughs) not yours um she can't be let off the lead she's scared of people she's scared of dogs she barks everything like her behavior is so drastic that like we're managing it but it's it's sad it's really really sad and Mm. i just think she's a dog yeah. And our children turned two during that pandemic. Yeah. I think definitely has affected them. Yeah. I <laughs> think to have. maybe the effects we got quite lucky with that age. Lucky yeah, I think we were definitely lucky with the age because I think if there were kids at school, younger kids at school and like teenagers doing exams and shit, I mean fucking hell. I have friends who are teachers and they say that they 
see a difference so for example i've got a friend who teaches i think seven or eight year olds Mm. so they would have been like in reception during lockdown during the the first lockdown yeah she said you can see that you can see the difference because they never had that foundation in like eyfs of being taught how to sit still and listen to the teacher yeah which is like the most important thing isn't it and and they don't have all those like foundational things that that children generally tend to have and darcy had already been in nursery for like a a year yeah when lockdown happened for over a year when lockdown happened like a year and a half and i think being removed from everything that she knew from being removed from nursery and all her friends she she did struggle with that but i think it stood her in good stead because she knew that like she was happy to go back to nursery yeah when lockdown was over she missed that socialization Ramona, I think, was the opposite because she hadn't been to nursery. Mm. So the first thing that we did when lockdown was lifted is start to put her into nursery just a couple of days a week. So that transition from already being quite a sensitive kid to then lockdown and then like, okay, now it's time for you to go to nursery. She was like, sorry, I'm sorry, what? You're (laughs) going to put me in another room with people and you're not going to be there? No, thank you. (laughs) So she took a very long time to settle into nursery. Um, Yeah, my mum works in a school, but like big, big school. (laughs) Big, big school. Big, big school, like college. And she was like, you have no idea how much it's affected those teenagers. She's like, it's it's horrible. It's awful. Yeah. Those poor kids. I like, And I really don't think we've seen the extent of the, no. the damage it's done. No. Behaviourally. And the expectations yeah. that the government have set. Like, oh, by the way, now it's all back to normal and you, yeah. you have to perform. Yeah, I think a lot... There's a lot that still needs to come out in the wash. Yeah. As a result of that. Yeah. Fuck you, Rishi, by the way. Yeah. But we can talk about that more at a later date. Yes. The last thing that I want to talk about are resources that you can use to help cope with with children's challenging... Oh, no, what we haven't spoken about is how we deal with their challenging behaviour. So uh, (laughs) I I want to talk about something that I am trying to do with Darcy at the minute... God, this is a very long episode, isn't it? Let's do this bit very quickly and get out of here. I've got a bloody soft play party to go to, mate. Shall we leave it here and then discuss how we actually how we actually deal with that behaviour next week? Because I think there's a lot to say and a lot to unpack. So uh, what time. might be quite nice, you know, I don't know how you feel about this. We can edit this out if you so wish. Yeah. But we were discussing the idea of doing some reviews of Disney films. Yeah. So maybe we could do some reviews of Disney films, but also talk about how we might... Do you know what I mean? Like a bit of both? Yeah. Because then it's like a bit of funny and then a little bit of like actual research about how we deal with behaviour. Does that sound like it? That's, that'd be nice. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. We'd be idea. like, we're going to carry on from this episode. We're going to talk about how we deal with challenging behaviour and different resources. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to talk about some Disney films. <laughs> yeah, good idea. nice, right? Yeah, okay. So, okay. Week in a sentence. Uh, no, yeah. we've done week in a sentence. Love of the week. So my, oh, my love of the week is a book I've started reading, which I'm going to lend to you when I finished it. It is called Unwell Women, and it's by <laughs> Eleanor Cleghorn. And it's, ba- it, well, I'll, I'll read what it says on the front. It says, a journey through medicine and myth in a man-made world. 
Ooh. And it's essentially just about how women have been disproportionate, disproportionately treated fucking terribly throughout the whole of history, um, specifically in medicine and just being looked after. And yeah. it, is, it is wild. I've only really just started reading it, so I've just been reading the bit about... The statistics of like how many women are chronically ill compared yes. to men yeah. is unbelievable and how badly misdiagnosed it is because yeah. they just don't listen to and women it. suffer from like over 70 percent of autoimmune disease yeah. autoimmune disease diagnoses but also it's not just so the auto so one of the problems it's because they're such like women women-centric diseases there's just not being research done about it no so we're, we're dying from chronic diseases but no one's willing to actually research them properly because no. we're women it's like and they're misdiagnosed because they just think we're like making up the pain. Yeah, it's just wild. Like you, you read stories about like women being open during an autopsy, mm. and then for their whole lives being, um, their medical records saying that they're exhibiting drug-seeking behaviour, mm. they're hypochondriacs, yeah. and then they open them up and their whole bodies are body fucked. is full of like yeah endometriosis scarring and stuff like that it's, yeah. just, it's just unreal well this book you will really like because it basically delves into that in great detail but starting from like the beginning of medicine essentially and why those kind of prejudices have, have like continued and grown and grown and grown yeah one of the things that i just wanted to mention very quickly was that i was reading last night about the greeks and hippocrates he's like the first guy to talk about medicine and it was basically a common belief for hundreds of years that women's wombs could move around their body so it's called the wandering womb and it was just generally believed that any ailment that a woman had because we were just like put in categories women and men women were the ones who bear children and then yeah. men were men any ailment that a woman had was put down to her womb so if she had problems breathing they would be like oh her womb's moved up to her throat and is stopping her from breathing like it was all about because because it's like the only thing that differentiates us they just yeah. use that as an example for fucking everything. How wild is that? That's insane. So some people believed that if your womb was like playing havoc and it was wandering around your body and making you hurt, then you would do things like um, uh, hit metal metal things against each other to startle it back into its place. <laughs> that, that, of course. that, yeah, that. That's my love of the week. The wow. Womb, the wandering womb. The What's wandering your room. love of the week? Uh, mine is my noise cancelling headphones. Oh yeah, mate. I'm just such a big fan. Mm. To the point now where if I sit down at my laptop, even if I'm not listening to anything, just I have my noise cancelling headphones on. Yeah, and it's it's one of the only ways that I can just concentrate. The closest you'll be to like being in a flotation tank, but all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, as somebody that has ADHD and is like always trying to figure out different coping strategies, my noise cancelling headphones has been like far and away the most important yeah thing so in... if you've got adhd and you don't have noise cancelling headphones get go some. and buy some right now i use the um sound core ones mm. and they're great they're very comfortable on your ears they're absolutely perfect if you want to immerse yourself into um the french revolution yeah. singing like <laughs> singing one day more yes they? yes fantastic uh what's my loathe of the week oh my loathe of the week um i was going to talk about this last week but we didn't have time my loads of the week is that um, no one in my whole life has ever come to me with with anything that might mean that I can go on a quest. <laughs> so the, the, the reason I'm saying this is because I've just finished reading The Historian, which yeah. is a fantastic book. 
Um, have you not read it? No. I will lend it to you. You will love it. It's got vampires in it. Oh, yes, Well, will. no, it's not got vampires. Yeah, it's got vampires in it. Um, but the historian is quite good because it's from the perspective of a historian who's quite like a a normal person that has like a boring normal job and then things start happening. Yeah. And I just think like in novels, a lot of like, like fictional stories, it's like a quest is bestowed upon someone and then that's the book. Yeah. And I just think, when is a quest going to be bestowed upon me? When am I going to wake up one morning and there be an unusual book just left on the side and I open it up and I have so many questions that I have to go research it and then weird stuff starts happening. I mean, and then I have to go to Hungary and then I have to go to Istanbul and go through all the archives there and then stuff starts and then people go missing. Like, why does that not happen to me? Arguably, Rosie, having children is a quest all of its own. Weird things start happening. You have to do re- loads of research in the archives of Google. Yeah, but the difference is with my children is that I don't get to like just gallivant around Europe searching, yeah. like going around castles and searching, meeting monks and searching for things. Yeah, that's true. I just have to that's... sit at home and listen to them going, ah! Yeah, that would have been so. That... Y- yeah, a you're, better quest. You're right. I have been bestowed a quest by birthing my kids, but I want a better one, please. <laughs> I want a better Can one. Can I have a different novel. quest? Can I have a different quest, please? What's your load of the week? My load of the week is Ticketmaster. Oh, uh, yeah. So I was... I mean, I have a few gripes with Ticketmaster. Yeah. One, why is it that when I was a teenager, tickets to see a show at, for example, Rock City, mm. were £15? Oh, tell me about and it. And now they're, bare minimum, £30. Yeah, yeah. Two... How is it possible that when I click the link at the very moment that tickets go live to buy tickets for a concert, yeah, that they're gone? Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand this because Dave had a similar thing. Like I, I, I had to get tickets to the Idols at the end of the year and I was working at the very moment they were going on sale. And I knew that it would sell out immediately. And so I was like, Dave, you're going to have to, I'm really sorry, I have to leave this with you and you have to do it. And I'll be really sad if you don't get the tickets I want. And he doesn't, I think he, I think the reason it worked for him is that he'd like copy and pasted the link into a new search engine first beforehand. And then he was able to just press enter and it just happened for him. But he was lucky. Yeah. The gig, the the Idols gig that we bought tickets to sold out in minutes. It's just insane. I think the Ticketmaster website is dog shit. Yes, it absolutely is dog shit. And it was telling me that there was still availability for the tickets because I'm taking Rosie to see the last dinner party. That should be my love for of the her week. birthday. That um, can be my quest. Yeah. <laughs> the quest is that you've bestowed tickets upon me to go and see the last dinner party with you in Sheffield. Yeah, I'm so well, excited. I was trying to get tickets to see them in Nottingham. Yeah, it's so Rock was, City, man. Yes. Yeah. Do you know why? Because I did, I did research this for the Idols gig. Why is that? It's because it's very low capacity compared uh, to other uh, like O2 academies. So a lot of people like to go to Rock City, even if they're not from the Midlands, because it's low capacity. So for uh, example, because I'm part of the like little little Idols fan page, a lot of people were trying to get Rock City tickets because they knew they'd get a better, you know, like it's going to be more intimate because it's a smaller capacity. Yeah. And also there's less tickets because <laughs> it's smaller. So yeah. So I was trying to get tickets for Nottingham and it wouldn't let me buy them. But then when I would go to Ticketmaster, it would say there was still low availability for tickets. So that was really pissing me off. So I went to see tickets instead and got tickets for Sheffield. And that was an extremely smooth experience. Dream. Absolute dream, is it? It was literally just add to basket, 
Bye. Bye. Take my money. Yeah, Ticketmaster has got a lot to answer for. However, however, I will say one good thing about Ticketmaster. I don't know if this is some kind of fluke, but it's definitely legit because I've got it in my Ticketmaster app. Mm -hmm. I'm taking Dave to see Garth Marenghi on Saturday next week. Um, the live show and when I bought them I wanted to buy them for Christmas and I think I bought the tickets in November and that was through Ticketmaster and I just went to buy the tickets and as I added the two 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 tickets and then went to basket and then it said oh do you want to use the Black Friday deal two for one and I was like yes I think I probably do so I got the tickets half price that's really the, good I wasn't told to me this wasn't like I have no idea why it happened it wasn't advertised until I got to the end. So I got tickets to see Garth Marenghi for like 20 quid for both of us. That's great. Isn't it? And then I was like, oh shit, maybe it was a maybe it was a scam. Did I go on the re- wrong website? But the tickets are in my Ticketmaster app. So it's legit. It's great. So but me and Rosie are going to Sheffield. Just so you guys know, we are going to Sheffield to see the last dinner party. And I think we're going to have to wear corsets, aren't we? Yes. We have to wear corsets, long flowing skirts and like kind of Victorian boots. Yeah. Wild hair, smoky eyes, red lips. Yeah. Red nails. Yeah, it's going to be great. A bit of lace. We're going to we're going to stay over as well. We're going to stay over. I still haven't told Dave that, but it's fine. <laughs> Dave knows now. Dave knows now. If you're listening, Dave, um uh, is it okay if um, I stay over for the night in Sheffield with Sinead when we go to see the last dinner party, please, babe? Thank you. Love you. Bye. <laughs> I think that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm so excited. So, so I think that is more than enough of us running our mouths Jesus for the day. Christ! Uh, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.